Hello, welcome to the Euphoria Podcast. This is episode six, season ten. I forget sometimes it all blurs together. It I'll does. be honest. It does. Also, this is a uh, a public announcement. Please check your posture as you're watching this video. I don't want legs in the air. I don't want slouching chairs. I don't want you to have the you know the sofa laying down with your neck on their back. You know, like this. I mean, I feel like last sit week. Sit straight. Sit up. In for a banger podcast. Strap yourself in. That's good advice. Yankos put us to shame last week in the posture department. He had it's very crazy. good posture. Was sort of I didn't like even notice until uh, you, YouTube comments pointed it the out. The madman is like this and then non-stop talking for an hour. Yeah. Legend. Absolute. Absolute it's legend. It's so easy to do a podcast when the, the guest just talks. It's like... Uh, yeah, Yankos is a goaded guest. You uh, shout out to Yankos again. Glad that he and G2 were able to have a good week. And we'll talk a lot about week five coming up. Um, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, yeah. SoundCloud. or available in the same places uh yeah week five crazy we're gonna talk a little bit about week five we're gonna talk about four seeds for worlds we'll talk a little bit about the international competition what we're looking at and specifically if we could pick right now based on what we've seen who we would send to worlds and also who we just predict will probably make it because sometimes Mm -hmm. those lists are not the same list um ultimately whoever qualifies will obviously have earned it but you know we'll see we'll see what happens for now though um last week we had a cold open there was the uh that people seem to like which i'm very happy about because it was the simultaneously the worst and best song that i've ever had the pleasure of working on Mm -hmm. slash creating the excel uh i'm so sorry that i doubted for those of you who have it stuck in your head which happened to a few of my colleagues in the creation process i apologize yeah um video was good yeah the video want to shout out to my boy here mark lamont who was pulled in (laughs) to participate in this video and was, um, you know, had a guitar solo. Yeah, I do have a guitar solo. Which he nailed. Yeah. You haven't seen the video. Every just, single note that's live played. Rhythm just flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Learned the whole thing. Learned the whole thing. Mickey X piano solo. What's hilarious is, okay, this is the best part. Mickey can play piano and he actually learned the solo. Mm-hmm. But like we, the way we filmed it was a little bit scuffed. Your guitar solo, you just nailed the rhythm and you're just... You're hitting random one, shit. One take rhythm monster. Yeah, but you're random. But for people who don't know how to play the guitar, it just like really, for at least a moment, looks like you just are like <laughs> actually going off. Like you know what you're doing. Like you're just like, ka, 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 ka. Yeah, um, I had no, no, knew what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. So um, for context, this entire shoot, shout out to our video team, shout out to Christian and team. They put yeah. this together. They just like rented a random apartment. We sent them some like 90s romance reference videos and they just like made the shoot happen. It was very hectic. It was chaotic. It was, uh, but it was a, it was a damn good time. It was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. I'm glad people liked it. Yeah. Hopefully Excel is pleased with their song. It wasn't the, it wasn't a song curse either. Or was it a song buff that they went to? Well, Mickey gave us the credit for song buff, but Mickey's also the homie. So I don't think he would sell us out like that and say, uh, the homie song curse, but Mm -hmm. they did, they did have a very good week. Um, all things considered obviously their game against Fnatic was pretty big and we'll talk about that shortly because that lets us talk about two teams one how great excel is doing and two uh whew, the uh the difficulties the trials and tribulations of our boys in orange there on their uh, 18th birthday having a having a hard time not a not a great coming of age story yeah i, I will say um but before we yeah. do that meta i would say is one thing we can check in on and we'll, then we'll talk about Fnatic because we've been seeing literally like we are so shameless these days we used to like pretend that we weren't just copying from the regions but like every single player we've talked to in the last week on broadcast or otherwise is like yeah we're just copying drafts from the lpl yep which based is and true <laughs> based and true when in doubt look to the east and copy what they're doing um took us a while to to do it poppy and stuff was being played for a couple of weeks before um but yeah just looking at my results based analysis here poppy four and one Yep. Talia, 7 and 2. Gangplank, 5 and 0. Oh. Silas, interestingly, lost four games. Um, so maybe not the EU Silas, but if you think of the reason Silas actually became meta was because of top esports, was because of Knight. Yeah. Um, teams were banning it against him specifically because his Silas is so good. And then what happened in the transition was Chovy then started playing Silas mid. And then once both LP and LCK quote-unquote started playing Silas everyone started playing Silas because you either ban it or pick it pick it against Chovian Knight and teams did both and then it rose in prior that's how the champ kind of yeah spiked and now LEC teams thought oh Silas is really broken and the reason it also is quite broken is because NAR blind pick is so common you yep. take NAR, NAR, NAR ult and happy days um 
Well, and I think that it seems like we're very happy to blind pick GP, which is obviously a pretty universal trend, but like we pick a lot more, we're blind picking at least this week, a lot more GP than we were NAR, probably because of the Silas. And the other thing that I really noticed when it came to the Silas is that like the, the successful Siluses that we saw were finding the Talia in a side lane and killing the Talia in a side lane. It was not in the mm. full on 5v5s where Silas like came out on top. Even the Talias were killing the Siluses. So it's like the whole world was turned upside down. Yeah, and it's tough. And I mean, like, just a reminder to, um, you know, if you're a, a casual player or a professional player to just read Talia's E. Um, it's confusingly worded, but basically if you dash in to the E these days, you just get stunned for whatever your dash duration is, plus a little bit of extra. Um, and there were a lot of players on stage this weekend that looked like they were learning that for the first time, despite having scrimmed against this champion uh, a lot. Mm. It's one of those things where the E is in your face. And you think it's going to time out, but you need to time your spell to time it so it times out. Mm. So you press it, hoping that it's going to disappear as you're dashing. And you either look extremely stupid and they get away, or you hit and they don't get away. But if you didn't try, they would have got away anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, yeah, that doesn't feel like a good value proposition. But because <laughs> most of what I saw this weekend was people looking dumb. I didn't see a lot of people time it very well. Hey, with an, ar an argument's an argument, baby. Look, I yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, yeah, Talia just looks like an absolute powerhouse right now. I mean, um, it's like the she protects, she attack, you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. um, also, Nar, um, two and six on the week, uh, on the weekends. Um, yeah. It, if you look at the Nar stats, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? It's ahead in gold. It's on average up around 12.5 to 13 CS in lane at 15. So yep. The piloting or the pilots of this champion are actually winning their lane. Just well, looks and like keep in mind when you, anywhere. you take averages like that, it's also from all the players who have lost on NAR. So the fact that it has such a big lead across all of the losers of NAR being included, because NAR at this point has a negative win rate in our league, is is impressive. Mm. I mean, it shows exactly what you're saying, right? It shows that the, the champion is expected to lane lane. I think the downside is, is that uh, with the Gwen changes, mm -hmm. and we saw this a lot in the, uh, the G2 game, um, versus rogue is just like you just get outscaled and new gwen especially um or well i mean really any gwen it's just a point in the game where you can't do anything and she just runs you down yeah the problem you used to have again well, the, not the problem but what used to happen against gwen is to use your ult you had to get auto attacks in right so if you are one you have to auto to get your r2 off right yep so for gwen to chase you down she either has to have ghosts and be hitting you while she's chasing you yep or for her to have a minion wave that she can bounce off of while she's hitting you but now it's just a one second cast time you know r1 one second, one second. Yep. so what she can do is even without a wave and without with distance she can just instantly like eqr you already and now you're slowed and then she just all in chase you with ghosts and she doesn't need even to hit auto attack she can just ult you if you're gap closing away to slow you again and um i mean you saw broken blade do it in the in the rogue game g2 rogue where he just ran at odo amni on nar all in him one shot at him through a tier three and odo had no chance of escaping um so gwen looks pretty strong right now uh, a lot of people were skeptical thinking maybe it's going to be weak it's nerfed not so well, sure we didn't really see it um at least day one of lpl playing uh 12 13 we just like gwen just like didn't exist mm. so i was like i had heard from pros that it was strong but i wasn't sure if this was just like a oh, eu meta kek w like if it was actually going to show up and then obviously when it did show up pretty big pretty yeah. big pretty impactful and definitely a champion that like needs to be on people's radar because obviously top top lane blind picks are still all the rage i still do expect no pun intended to see more nar um uh and certainly more gp as i feel i don't know is if there's something in the water this week but it felt like the general quality of our gp players was just significantly it higher was this really week. good it was really good and before we follow that rabbit hole let's look forwards on the meta uh what's happening in the lpl now it's been two weeks three weeks yep um what can we expect to see picked in europe that's being picked in the lpl right now uh severe severe is pretty high prior right now in the lpl uh um, it's hype it's being banned on the one two three um rng played it as well the champ overall looks incredibly strong main change for severe is her w ricochet used to only bounce once on a target and then go infinitely to the next target so you never it would never come back basically but now it comes back and it can bounce between two different members yeah uh, so you have to track it very very well uh huang fun's been playing it he's been playing incredible games on it so it's being picked a little bit into a Philios from what i've seen um and the e now heals you rather than giving you mana uh, but i've seen it 
mostly into Aphelios off the top of my head. Uh, you can stop his ult quite easily, stop any form of engage and stuff mm -hmm. like this. Um, or his, you know, auto queue if you time it right. But yeah, eyes on Sivir. I'm not sure how strong of a blind pick it is. Traditional Sivir counter picks would be things like Caitlyn. Um, obviously, Sivir's base attack range is really low, so anything that outranges her is really annoying for her. Um, so we'll keep our eyes to see if Caitlyn then becomes meta, because that's how the meta works, right? Yeah. Champion gets buffed. It's strong. Poppy, for example. Trundle's being played into it. Then people find counters to it. You know, um, we've seen Nocturnes. We've seen Morganas into Poppies finding a counter. Same thing might happen with Sivir after a week or two when people start playing Caitlyn Karma lanes again. Um, but yeah, no clue what will happen there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see what Sivir can do because I actually haven't watched as many of those LPL games, but I like the changes in theory. I like the fact that if you're fighting two people, it'll just ricochet back and forth between them. I like that Boomerang Blade's cast time decreases with attack speed, makes that ability a lot smoother to use in a fight. Her ult will just keep going if you keep getting kills. Um, yeah, and in general, I think this is super cool because mm -hmm. Sivir to me as a champion I love uh, AD carries who can really pop off on their own and AD carries who enable their team like I love that level of utility especially from you know on the hunt so we'll see I would like it just also because I find bot lane meta like if bot lane meta is interesting usually the game is interesting and if bot lane meta is enchanters and I don't know what Sivir's going to enable and you can tell me what's going on here then it's like the game is boring because if supports aren't playing engaged champions you know what I mean and junglers are like, you know, it's like Poppy Trundle. Mm -hmm. We're just like, we're kind of chilling. Well, Gala Ming played Severe Leona. Um, Hell yeah. Weibo played it. They played Severe Rakan. Hell yeah. They also played Severe Nautilus. Ooh. So it looks to me right Ooh, now. The Holy Trinity, baby. Uh -huh. Nautilus, Rakan, Leona. And um, BLG managed to beat JDG, which is like our top, top team in the LP. Mm -hmm. I think they're tied second. Um, they managed to take one game off them by playing Severe Yumi uh into aphelios lulu so um yeah sivir is going to be a good one to watch uh, i think we've got no reckless in the league anymore so we're not getting any first big sivirs but True. um it's one of those champs where you can wave clear forever and you can hold on to a game like it's it, there are champions in the game that can hold you on for like an extra five or ten minutes and nivia yeah. is one of them she will keep you in the game well, for as long as possible and it's Sivir important is, to note that like four item sivir will still be a, a wave clear monster but it won't be quite as ludicrously op as like um four item sivir old sivir where she could literally infinitely infinitely yeah. it'll still be good it'll still be strong but like but if you stack in a fight and she's ricochet altoing you it's just oh, gonna yeah. bounce between you and oh, i've yeah. seen this happen so many times well because you don't need more than eight bounces in a team fight right you need to hit five <clears> people so that's <throat> just yeah. like purely extra damage but when you're playing the afk wave clear six waves at the time game that's probably maybe where it's going to start to hurt yeah yeah that's going to be i'm excited for it i mean another counter to oh, counter to sivir alistar used to be a really good counter to sivir because oh, yeah. you can't spell, can't shield, spell the combo. shield both uh so so you'd either spell shoot the W and then get knocked up. So Caitlyn, Alistar, Lanes, these are the things we probably will see into Sivir. Yeah, I, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm uh, I'm pumped for Sivir. I'll be honest. Hell yeah! I I had one. I have a follow, but I'll save it. It's for later. It's for later. There's something is I want. It? There's a joke I want to use in cast, and I was debating whether or not I should share it here, but I'm gonna save it. I'm you could probably it. use both. Okay, so you know how Hilly's been sprinting it. This was our transition to Fnatic. Okay. So when someone goes in and they die as Nautilus just on their own for no reason okay right and then they come back to lane uh -huh. i'm gonna call that post not clarity oh my god <laughs> i thought this was related to syria listen <laughs> i was just thinking about because you mentioned not a listen that i was like oh we're gonna post talk about not, not clarity not clarity if okay. you just when you leap in yeah. when you like hook and yeah. then like you hit the wall and you instantly yeah. die as like a nautilus or an engaged i like support. it yeah i like that one. Post not clarity. now this is the situation where i'd have one as well prepared, <laughs> but i really don't <laughs> not as good as that post not clarity i like that Haley's definitely got a lot of that oh, um, that's on the edge of appropriateness yeah that's in the plausibility plausible plausible deniability zone that's that's yeah. where we like to be but, you know hey, i didn't know i don't know what i don't know what i don't know what that sounds like chat you can't tell me i don't know why i heard he was chat, <laughs> chat spending too much time around you anyway yeah uh speaking of hillisang running it uh well one like it's not just hillisang and i don't want this to be the the shit on hillisang show because i feel like this man anytime this man has a bad game people are so ready to roast him despite the fact that like 90 you remember of his games the are so good was it the year of 2020 spring when everyone was saying like i don't know there was a there was a split in hillisang early hillisang is washed he's trash he's the worst here and, and then he goes to worlds with reckless and they're like one of the best bot lanes in the entire tournament yeah um i don't know if it's you know yeah over this honestly this this is like the story of hillisang's career i feel like and doubly so on fanatic is that like if hillisang ever starts griefing it it's like you're just so and it's like he's a volatile player he's, he will be a volatile player but the problem is is that people are just like 
so ready to write him off. But it, it's like they're standing there with their comment pre-typed in the yeah. Reddit thread, like this, waiting for him to die. Yeah, you know, and they'll like backspace it up and be like, "Wow, Hilly, good player." If he like does good, but they're just ready to push enter at a moment's notice. You know. Yeah, I feel like Hilly is the one player I look at as. Uh, you hate him or love him depending on how he plays results based, right? So if he wins, it's like, oh, Hilly! Genius. No Hilly's one is the professor. The no one else could have thought it. And then it, he, he dies know? and loses. Yeah, pff, Inter, I knew all along this guy was yeah. washed. Trash. Yeah, he's the one player where he's like a stark polar opposites from fan sentiment sometimes. Yeah. Um, now, this is not a excuse the hilly because of course that tom kench game was, that was pretty abysmal bad it was a bad but again i think it's when people are like end this man's career i draw a line yeah there. people want to call that game absolute trash yeah. like fine that Calling was a bad out, game but telling him to trash. retire and things like this too far uh yeah so for context here excel versus fanatic if you missed this game um spoilers it's i don't know why else in this podcast if you haven't watched last week it's totally okay but you're getting spoilers as you always will in this game 26 minute game it was brutal absolute smashing like if you took off the nameplates and told me this was an excel versus bds game i would have believed you yeah this was total it total destruction and, and you it's it's it, it was lost for Fnatic at a point but to watch them just mindlessly run around playing solo queue getting caught one by yeah. one falling like bowling pins i well, just it was really hard to watch because it just looked like there was no direction at all in that team, in that game specifically. Yeah. And I think what makes it like insult to injury was in our match of the week video, Markoon had this quote about talking about how they're like, you know, they're not really a team. They're five players. Mm. They win or lose on the success of their individual players. And I was like, damn, that's a strong statement. You know what I mean? I was like, maybe, maybe that's too strong of a statement for Markoon. And then in their game, they literally all run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Like they literally play like completely individual players and at a certain point don't get me wrong the game was probably lost they knew it was lost and so they just started taking flips like i don't know how seriously they took it as they were as they were falling further and further behind mm. but well this game was not a, a good look this is not an a, a, this was a confidence destroying game i would say at least for the people watching fanatic i can't speak to how the team feel here's my miniature theory for that game um well the only thing I can think of is Humanoid and Razork are the only ones who can actually do anything in that game. In yep. most cases, it is mid-jungle. Um, but Bot was getting pushed in and Mickey roamed towards mid. But the second Humanoid died a couple of times, it's one of those situations where, as a player, you're 0-2 or 0-3 and you feel like you have no impact in the game. So, yep. therefore, you talk less, expecting others to talk more to make plans. But I feel like um, Humanoid is probably the player who makes the plans for Fnatic. I mean, he does do their mid game, but in yep. the early stages when he's playing Vex with a Wukong, maybe he's the one who's like, oh, I'm going to push mid, I need you to cover me, then I'm going to move to size, when to try to do something bot. Well, but yeah. when that's shut down, they have no direction. Well, and I also think that simultaneously, while that was also happening, Botlane was also struggling a bit, like Hillisang overstayed a bit, and then he's going up to mid to help, and then he gets caught, and that's obviously like where the game really falls apart. But like, mid wasn't super in control either they're playing Aphelios, tom kench for zyra khan they're just like they're on wave code duty whatever wonder is like in a very losing matchup you know what i mean early on at least mm. um get it and it just feels like unless someone has ironclad like mental and can make clean calls in a game that is in just such a losing state so early on like i, I can't even knock it because i just even if it wasn't humanoid who was the voice even if you told me any other player was the voice like everything went wrong for this team in the early game so it's like I don't know who you would actually ask to make the calls. Yeah, then you have like, just thinking of fan sentiment and comments, you have the game against Rogue where Humanoid's got Gale Force on Corky. No one really understands his build because he's got a bit of crit and then AP Corky's nerfed. So he's building like AD Corky, Man Immune with a Gale Force. Um, I'm not really, I haven't really seen the new Corky builds. I'm still seeing people going AP, um, like the Korean yeah. pros. And I'm still seeing a little bit of Essence Reaver-esque builds with Shield Bow. Um, I don't, I, I, they all, I guess it's to get game. away from the the poppy or the the ba the barrels or the, the Azir range. I don't know, because you kind of like that. I agree. Like, I'm not going to over tunnel on the Gale Force. But what I'll say about that game is that like uh, that game, that game, honestly, the, the road game was like close to so many different points. Uh, shout out to Trimby real fast um, and the balance team. Renata alt. Holy <laughs> God. Because that's the he hit like two Dream Renata alts mm. onto like Humanoid and Upset, and they just killed each other. And Upset like cleansed out, and it's like, great, Upset, you're free. Humanoid's audioing you anyway. You're dead. Yeah. You're instantly dead. And, um, you know, like well played, credit to Rogue. Larson, obviously, huge, huge, huge pop off. We were excited for his Azir. He did um, then immediately not have the best game against G2, mm. but sick return to his ear for Larson initially. Yeah. But it was, um, 
yeah, the the coordination there from Fnatic in that game definitely felt lacking, and certainly Rogue were ready to punish it. I think the only thing that looks good to me so far in the, like the last weekend was upsets of Helios. I think was the only like saving grace of them. He was the one who was really helping them win that Rogue game. Yeah, him and Hilly like won their lane and actually moved out a lot. Um, I think they got an early kill on Trimby in that lane, and then upset was like two zero. They took a full tower. He was like really far ahead. And then in the in the XL game, I mean, what is he supposed to do when he's playing? I mean, the Aphelios is, is a good champ. And it's a, again, Aphelios is a super high prior champ in Asia. If Zeri Lucian uh, are down, um, then it's always straight to uh, yeah. straight to Aphelios. And I think Fnatic have picked that up. Great. They're trying to get ahead of the curve as well and try to understand if they can be a one step ahead well, or even in the meta. But uh, yeah. there And there's a threshold, I think, on Aphelios that's tough. Because like, obviously, he's great from ahead. He's fine at even. And even when he's behind, he can still have great moments with the correct guns because you know you're just artificially that much more powerful because you're a kid if you have the ideal guns in any given circumstance mm. but when you're this far behind you literally cannot approach a wave to auto attack to transition your guns you're like there's like a threshold for Aphelios where he becomes like the worst ad carry in the game where you're like when you're getting like turbo stomped because he just has such a hard time recovering because you can never ever like come back from that point until you're at like four three four items because you just can't actually walk up to a wave to auto to swap guns you know how he said, shout out to Trimby, love the Renato ults? Yep. Shout out to Trimby indeed. But the day after when he picks Sejuani, unshout oh out to Trimby. Oh my god, unshout out to Trimby. Trimby! That, Trimby. What the... I, I <laughs> what, was, what, what the... What the I, hell? I was excited for the Sej, but I think there was a better pick there. Have you heard of Tom Kench? It, this was like a man playing in a world where Tom Kench did not exist. Uh, what was the draft? I think I think G two had Tom Kench. G two had Tom. No, no, no. G two had Tom. But oh, G2, you're like, just playing against it. Yeah, you're. you're uh, he's like he like just blinded. He blinded Sejuani and then they locked Tom Kench last. No. Yeah. I right, let uh, me double check did. the order. So they, just, he did blind yeah. Sejuani. They last picked Tom Kench. I think. And it's like, bruh, bruh. Like what? Like you know what? I'm all for creativity. In fact, I love creativity to a fault. Like yeah. I, if people draft dumb stuff, I'm normally like, hell yeah, let's go, dude. But this was like, who are you? You're gonna. What are you gonna do to the Gwen? Mm -hmm. You're like you have. You can maybe jump on the Talia, but then like you've also got a Vola Bear, which is like actually just jungle support. Just like Callista Narazir. Wow, great start to the draft, yeah. Rogue. You know, Callista. I'm generally skeptical, but like Comp's done a good job. You're against Gwen Talia Phileas. We're neck and neck in the draft, and then the last two picks are such an absolute like lore fan 180 i guess we're a freljord comp kind of like tft <laughs> bullshit like vola bear sejuani yeah vola bear is so nerfed and like look i still believe based on what we saw that it can still be an early game impactful champion but then paired with sejuani it's like what does your team do yeah. and we talked about this on the cast how do you play the game yeah you have single target damage engage which a tomkin should just basically counters right uh better four fives you'd have to imagine are things like maybe lee sin nautilus could work a bit better any ad yeah. jungle that malrank's comfortable sure. and something like the nautilus where you can actually your your cc is it can aoe more than one target right you can like hook the time ult the aphelios knock up the time knock up the the, the aphelios and actually make something happen for the Callista. Uh, whereas the sejuani just kind of like q ults in tom catch eats well, the target and then and i don't know much about the lane phase but my assumption is the lane phase isn't great either because Comkench beats out a lot of the supports that want to go in because he just has so much base damage and like extended trades are really positive for Tomkench, right? And so for yeah. Zdwani, it's like you've got your passive, which is like fake aftershock, and then you've got aftershock too. So she leaps in, she's super tanky for three seconds. Callista can pull her out post level six, but pre level six, it's like Tom Kench is just there, thwacking away with his tongue, mm -hmm. waits for your stacks to fall, cues you for the stun, you're dead, you lose that trade. And like luckily Callista's powerful enough to balance it, but it just doesn't I don't get, I make it make sense, Mayor Trombo. Yeah. What's going uh, on here? I think I want to see it again, but when Tom Kench is banned, or if you have a last pick or something, uh, and you're picking it into something like, yeah. I don't know what the matchups would well, be, you know? And I believe that there was scrim data here to say that this was good, and maybe there's a situation where, like, they play better around bot side or something, and this, like, really popped off in scrims. Like, I, I don't think that people just grief draft. I think that people, um, everyone's biased. You know, and his biases, his experiences in scrims maybe led him to believe that that pick was stronger than it was. Mm. Or on the day, someone per did not perform the way that they performed in scrims. Like, it's hard to say. Obviously, the uh, Sejuani is like a giant bat signal of int, but it's entirely possible that the communication breakdown of the failure actually came in somewhere else in the team or the draft, and it's not the Sejuani to blame. But that is the most visible 
factor, let's say. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, Euphoria MVP? Yeah, Euphoria MVP. Great question. Um, um, wait, do we want to talk about Misfits? Oh, yeah, so what Misfits? Let's talk first. about Misfits first, but then we'll talk about Euphoria MVP. So for those who missed it... Um, Breaking news! Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> Shlatan uh, has been benched. Well, Shlatan has been moved to or play moved in to the a, ERL. To uh, Misfits don't have a third jungler, so I, this is, I guess, the benching, as close to benching as you can get. He was, he was benched. They just tweeted an announcement. Zanzara is moving up. He is their ERL jungler. Um, so Zanzara is coming in. So, yeah, of course, you guys remember Zanzara from Astralis, the Trundle, the Skarner connoisseur. Um, he hasn't been playing that much Trundle or Skarner in the LFL. Um, yeah. He's only been playing a little bit of it. He's mostly been playing things like Zinzao and Poppy. Right now in the LFL, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. I haven't been watching any of their games, so I wouldn't be able to give you context. But looking at just raw data, he's not farming much. He's playing for early ganks. And that's what I think Misfits want. Do they want it from a player like Zanzara? I'm not sure how he'll slot in. But yeah. you could see in the Vitality game, Shlatan finally picked a champ, which can do something early. Poppy. And he did nothing. And I think that the Misfits have been struggling so much in early games that... I presume the coaching staff's idea to fix it is just get an early game jungler and put him in there now. Well, and we don't, and again, like that's just one of what could be many potential reasons. Um, Deficio, I asked him, he wouldn't tell me the reason. He did say that ultimately it was his call because um, I know that there was a lot of flame going to the coaching staff, but I think the final decision was his. So if you want to, if you want to be mean to people, you can be mean to Deficio. He has put himself <laughs> up there to be roasted because um, it was his decision um no memeing that's not a joke he that is something that he reached out to me and wanted to make clear because he knew that we were going to talk about this um so we don't know we don't know officially what happened it could be the the difference in style and what zanzara would say i would say that there's a lot of people out there saying oh zanzara's picks are in meta trundle you know like poppy these all feel like zanzara picks and that's true but i think zanzara's big edge historically was that he was ahead of the curve it wasn't zanzara was ahead but he was on a different curve he's on a different <laughs> curve i mean it wasn't Zanzara's trundle was good, but it was also that he was the only person playing trundle. You know what I mean? It was like an edge mm. that he had that he knew his champion. And big credit to him. I think he's a super smart guy. He like really thinks about the game in a in a really in a way that I find super interesting. Like he was W maxing before people were W maxing on Trundle. He was like really doing the research and trying to find a way to exploit these picks to make them work. But when everyone's playing the picks, I don't think that he is a cut above most junglers in the league. So I like your angle. I like that maybe Misfits are looking for more early aggression. Uh, Misfits early game was statistically quite bad, but it's hard to say what exactly happened here. It could have been personality conflicts. It could have been, yeah. I, I could have been that they really won an all Polish LFL squad. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have that info. I don't have that context. So um, all we can do is look at the roster as it is now and analyze how we expect them to do this weekend. They play Rogue and Excel this week. There's like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been through... Or sorry, Rogue and SK this week. I've been through a few teams where players around me are, are being benched. And I guess the main reasons are um, either you're not clicking with the team, whether it's you're not like spending time or fitting in or um, you're just not bringing a, a good environment to the team. Yep. Uh, you're either being really toxic or you have a really big ego and you're like living in your own world mm -hmm. where it's like the team wants to do this and a lot of players when they receive feedback can get very defensive and when they get defensive they get aggressive and they're like why, why are you picking on me? Like why is this my fault? You know mm -hmm. and then when you, when you go down that kind of rabbit hole then you just just bring it just gets worse and worse and worse so you bring yeah. such a bad mood to the team so it's just inevitable no matter how good you're playing you're always going to lose games and if you, every game you're losing and you're trying to improve all you're doing is just to trying to defend yourself as if it's like yeah. never you're the problem then of course it's uh, really hard to improve as a team uh, or they just need a different play style and the player can't provide it right there's many reasons why players get benched yeah and it's if you as a misfits fan are frustrated uh super valid because this is the struggle of being an esports team is that like Obviously, you want to be as transparent as possible. And I'm, I'm showing a little bit here, but bear with me. Uh, you want to be as transparent as possible. You want to tell people what's up. But you also don't want to, um, you know, damage a player's reputation. You don't want to, um, you know, do anything. Like, they're already swapping a player. They don't need a public scandal, too. Yeah. You know, so we don't know what's going on here. So I sympathize with the people on Misfits who are obviously getting a lot of flack. I sympathize with the players on the team. I can see from VTO's upside-down smiley face tweet that maybe he wasn't pleased mm -hmm. with this decision. But ultimately, let's just hope that it works out for Misfits for the players' sake. Yeah. And you know me. I like to watch every league. I like to watch yeah. LPL. I like to watch LSK. I like to keep, I like to be on track with everything that's happening in the world and be one step ahead of the meta. Hell so yeah. I have Big brain a team. little fact for you. Sure. Zanzara. I looked at his solo queue account last night just so I knew what he was up to. Hell yeah. He played 14 games of Tarek Jungle in the last five days. 
I'm talking like you open his OPG, it's like seven in a row, solid, couple champs, another four. Tarek jungle with Ghost and Glacial Augment. Faker was playing Tarek, Tarek mid and Tarek top. Um, I've seen junglers talk and whisper about Tarek jungle, but no one's ever committed. He's what's, probably what's the, the first build? jungler. Is it Iceborne into... Uh, I have uh, no you, clue. you have to build the tier item now. I have no idea what the I'm build was. Going, you can on. check it up. Um, I can check it up as well. But it's... It's it's an interesting one when you're in such a melee focused meta with things like, for example, Poppy Jungle, right? I pick Tarek with Ghost. It actually logically kind of makes a bit of sense that it could be a counter where yeah. I can like shield and engage. You can't really stun me because I'm just so tanky. And as you're Eing on me, I can just use my E cast buffer to stun you the second you land. Yep. Uh, and then I can just kind of hit you and heal through your damage because you're a tank. And um, it's, to be clear here, it's not just Zanzara. Syncroft, Marcoon yep. also played this, admittedly, last week. This has not shown up this week. And again, I'm on Law VVV, which is my preferred uh, pro builds Yeah, good, site. good website. Shout out Law VVV. Good stuff. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, because I think that the Tarek Ultimate is obviously an insanely powerful piece of utility. Is he a great engage champ? No, absolutely not. But paired with any champion with a dash, he can kind of become a pretty good engage yeah. champ and um, offers a deceptively large amount of sustain. And when he has gold, a pretty decent amount of damage too because of the way his passive works. Passive is uh, bonus magic damage on your autos after you cast spells and gives you extra attack speed too so you can really start thwacking. And every time you hit, you get charges back on your Q. So if you're in... Uh, a game that is an absolute mess of melee characters. It's very bruiser heavy. Tarek not only gives you the ulti, which is infinitely more valuable if you can like really reliably get it off. So very good with bruisers um, who can survive some upfront burst, but also very good in sustained fights because the amount of healing he can do. Um, yeah. If you've ever played a ram Tarek, you know this very well, which obviously yeah. is my yeah. my, my personal. Yeah, I'm not here to not here to tell people that a ram is the end all be all, but sometimes uh, if you really want to understand how you can exploit a champion, a ram is often an interesting testing ground. Yeah, I need to play more a ram. But yeah, that's it for a champion. You know, maybe see Tarek, maybe see Severe, maybe a little bit of Cajun into Severe. Um, yeah, but I mean, and that's and then we'll see if that Zanzar is again and once again ahead of the meta. I think it would be big for the team. It's a best of one right it's a best throw it of out one. and best of throw one it out. why not um that's that's misfits we'll see what they can do this coming week this could be this is a huge week it's a defining week again it's not the end all be all there's still going to be five more games after this this week of games but we'll just hope that this works out okay for them they were seemingly on the road to playoffs rising in form this is big for sk who i think are slowly becoming more and more of a dark horse if they can beat this potentially weakened misfits but we'll find out yeah in the meantime euphoria mvp there's some good names on the list this week Kedro. there's a lot of good names you've got players like el yoya who had a pretty consistent week uh patrick had some pretty flashy outplays unforgiven as well um yep. but uh, i'm leaning towards to me finn um he had two two games of gp in a row where i think he had flawless gp games and yep. um you can say well for example, he has the highest damage on his team both games, and he has 800 to 850 DPM both games. Well, you can be like, yeah, he's playing GP. But the fact that he's playing his GP so cleanly in Europe against teams like Fnatic as well, um, who, yes, they're struggling, but he, build, he builds full crit GP, doesn't make too many mistakes over side lane. Yep. He, he kind of checks every box. And if you just look at his scoreline over the weekend, I think he was 11-1 and one on the GP. So I think he had a pretty flawless weekend. He wasn't super flashy, but if you just watch the fights and how much he's doing... A lot of the times you see some GPs where they're ahead, you know, they're fed, yeah. they go into a fight, they put a barrel down, they're going to shoot it, enemy kills it. Okay, another barrel, miss, 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 and then the GP just dies. Uh, that wasn't Finn's story. No, he was hitting Tome with so many barrels, that's why his DPM is so high. And, and, and keep in mind that um, damage per minute is a very uh, game time bias stat. So if you have longer games, you're going to have better DPM because you just do more damage later in the game. People yeah. have more health, you do more damage. So the fact that he's able to maintain such a high DPM in a Fnatic game that was um, so quick is impressive. Now, it was one-sided, which also makes it easier because he's just probably getting a lot of free damage off. But that is, you know, credit to Finn. I think that um, obviously the stats are great. They're usually going to be pretty good when you win two games. But I think also as well, just like being so far ahead, being the guy who's busting it out as the blind pick and still making it work, essentially making it feel like this uncountable thing is is very impressive and credit to finn i've i've been happy i've been pleasantly surprised by performance i think we started to see it in spring and i think we're continuing to see it in summer so yeah i'll grab i don't know where the pen is we'll put it on the board later because i don't know where the pen is is. phil has the pen somewhere sneaky phil Um, we'll write it down so yeah shout out to finn our euphoria mvp for this week for week five of the lec good job finn 
Yeah, we'll play it, brother. Um, let's look ahead now because okay. we didn't talk about this last week. I don't think we we got the update when we were coming in last week. But Lolly Sports released an article, League of Legends Worlds 2022 dates and seeding. Um, so again, plans, Mexico City, groups, and quarters are in New York City. New York City. Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia. Um, shout out to ATL. Amazing rap scene. Um and finals in San Francisco, California. Now, Hell the yeah. big news. Big news? 12 of the 24 competitors will start in the play-in stage, including Europe, LEC, third and, and fourth, fourth seed, but baby. Quick question. You probably know the answer to this, but as a viewer, this would be my instant question. Can Europe knock, can EU knock EU out of play-ins? Um, I would assume, whoa, wow, yeah. we're the only time we've had two seeds from the same region. Yeah, I presume... They without knowing the to? format no i'll Otherwise, do a quick check no on sense. last year's format um without knowing the format i would say no but this is the only time where this has happened in plans as far as i know and someone could correct me where we've had two two seeds from the same regions of plans and now groups is designed so that you can't knock another team from another region out but i don't know if plans is designed in that same way so that's a damn good question that i I'm happy you asked, but now I'm like, damn. I EU, EU fans might be scarred by the Mad Lions planes run. I mean, they'll be put into separate groups, right? Um, let's just take a look at how last week, last year worked. They'll be put into separate groups. First seed, I think, auto qualifies, yeah. And then there's a big bracket for everyone but the fifth seed. So it is, and they play cross group. So there is a chance that EU knocks EU out of planes. That EU knocks EU out of planes. Now, that's. I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm not going to give anyone the benefit of the doubt here, but I'll just. We'll see what happens. Maybe yeah. they, they have something in the rules that's adjusted to account for this. Or maybe there's something in the existing rules that just has never been used in plans that will be used here. So that's a good good flag, Cadrell. Good point of concern. Uh, competitive ops team, if you're listening. That's that's a Yeah, I'm sure that's something they're looking into. But it's it's pretty exciting to have four seeds at Worlds. I think we talked about it already. It's just, it, it's, it's just really good for... Uh, the player motivation i think a lot of the player interviews this last weekend they were saying i think it was finn especially um or, or yankos play, players like this were saying it just gives a lot of extra motivation because you know that if you have in mind that it's really hard for you to contest third place yeah but then there's a fourth spot now for, like fourth is really doable like yeah misfits for example last year finished third in the regular split right yeah and that's very difficult. Top three is always really hard when you have like the heavy hitters, Fnatic, well, Rogue, Mad. G2. Misfits were literally one inspired Viego Pentakill away from going to Worlds. Yeah. And basically. That's, or would have been in yeah. that context. And imagine they had a fourth seed, right, last yeah. year. Misfits would have gone to Worlds last yeah. year if there was a fourth seed. Uh, I think. I don't know if there's any championship points or anything there, but I'm pretty so, sure it would be Misfits. Yeah. So basically, for those who are confused, so if you remember back the old system, uh, championship points were first, first seed was always who wins the split. Who wins the season easy? Second was whoever had the most championship points, and then the other teams were seeded into a bracket. We don't have a bracket anymore, so how it works is the top six teams from summer get points based on where they finish the regular season. Then those are added to the points that they earned from spring, because they mm -hmm. did earn points from spring. Um, and then you are seeded based on who has the most points. And this is really important because if you get, especially with four seeds, because if you get first seed, um, you are in coming out of the regular season with this seeding. If you get first seed coming into playoffs, you are guaranteed a spot at Worlds. You do not have to win a single best of five. Now, the system is not designed that way. It's essentially because our bracket is um, designed to support three teams qualifying for Worlds. So you could it's not really an oversight so much as it is like a unfortunate side effect of getting this bonus seed is that there's a world where, let's say, let's just say, for example, G2, they, you know, they stormed the rest of the regular season kicking ass taking names and then just grief it in two back-to-back -back best of five so let's still go to worlds yeah um which you know obviously will sub depending on the team will upset some people um it's it is what it is um but it, it's not just the first seed either there's if you are the higher seed that loses in round one so for example let's say first and second go through mm -hmm. right in our bracket and if you can't visualize our bracket feel free to pull up a season then our third seed our third place team could auto qualify for worlds could be that team because okay. all you have to do is finish top four well, we'll see what happens. Exciting stuff. Internationals are always the best part of the year, right? Um, yeah. Worlds is always the best part of the year in terms of league competitiveness. I just hope we get good best of fives. I don't want no LCK, LCK quarterfinals. I don't want no LPLPL LPL semifinals. I want to see cross-region international BO5s. Here's, here's, my, here's my question, Mark. I think this is the most interesting discussion. 
based on how the year has gone so far, what we saw at MSI from G2, what, we, what you're seeing internationally, because you are the, uh, I think between the two of us, most certainly an international expert. And I think by probably by all accounts, the person who watches some of the most League of Legends in the world, as far as professional broadcast analysts go. What are your what are your expectations for EU right now? Now these can change. I'm not holding you to anything. I don't need you to make any like rock solid prediction here. Like what what do you think is like a reasonable expectation for for EU at Worlds? Quarters, I think quarters should be celebrated. Um, semis would be incredible. Uh, I think there's the thing is you have eight teams from Asia, right? Yeah. Uh, and as much as I think the four teams from the LPL will get out of groups. I'm convinced. You have so many incredible teams in the LPL right now. They're all I mean, you could pick one of the top six from the LPL right now, and they'll probably win Worlds. Um, you have teams like V5, Top Esports, RNG, um, JDG. These teams are just so... Like, yeah. EDG is even seventh right now. This team's struggling a bit. Um, so I think you can pick any of those teams or probably win Worlds. I think all four LPL teams will get out of groups. Um, I think my predictions for teams that will make Worlds for LPL are probably Top Esports, V5, RNG. And then the last one is up in the air. JDG would be the easy one, but mm -hmm. this team normally... I don't want to use the word chokes, but they underperform in playoffs. So yeah. when it comes to making internationals, they struggle. But they would be an expected one. Well, For LCK, however, though, I feel like LCK is right now just so dominated by T1 Genji mm -hmm. that the, the third and fourth seeds will be the ones that struggle. It'll probably be DRX, Sandbox, or Damwon. One of these, those three teams will be two of those. And I think that's that. those are the teams that Europe can beat, I think. Yeah, and shout out to, by the way, the uh, our friends over at the LCK. This Saturday is T1 versus Genji, battle at the top of the table. Um, so keep your eyes open for that if you are an LCK fan at all. And even if you're not, it'll just be a sick series, exciting to watch. I'm, yeah, when I look at this world, to me, the thing that I'm hoping to walk away with, and quarterfinals would be good, I agree, is just a lot of, because we get to send four teams, a lot of really high-level practice. Now, in a perfect world, I would have loved to send four teams to Korea or four teams to China, because sending four teams to NA, um, you're going to have less viable practice partners because yeah. for example when you go to china you get to scrim chinese teams that are i worlds. think most you teams get scrim are probably, lck teams that aren't at worlds most teams are probably boot camping korea before they go to na i i assume sure yeah. and that's a positive start but like over the course of the tournament i want teams to gain as much experience as possible yeah. and i think that is easier when you're playing in the best regions in the world now don't get me wrong when you put this many high level professional players on the na ladder hmm. and i don't know if they're going to open up the challenger so actually I was, server i was talking about this yesterday they're going to be on the east coast which is yeah. where the na solo queue servers are and Champions Q is held in Chicago. Well, the, the ping is lower in the East, I believe. Is it? Maybe. Um, I don't know. And Champions Q is hosted in LA, so they won't be using Champions Q. Champions Q will close while World is on. And everyone will be on the I wonder if they'll open an alternative, or if they're just like, there's so many players on that server that it'll basically be Champions Q. Uh, I think either would be fine. They will, what is it, 24 teams going to Worlds? Yeah. There'll be so many so many goddamn players, right? I mean, you could just open Champions Q, no? You could open like a, a not an LH, like a more central champion. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, um, regardless, I think that my, my big hope is that this like really helps level up our region. And I think that there's a really huge chance for development here. I think I'm excited for the teams going through play-ins. Um, nervous too, because like it's absolutely possible that they get knocked out. Mm. Rough life. Um, but excited because I think that there's a lot of time uh chances for our teams to like really really grow because i think that the overall level this year has not been um fantastic you know no. as, as a lot of our like titans start to fall down when we lose like teams with a lot of experience i think that there's always going to be players. a rebuilding years yeah i think truth be told the problem is this year is there's no like heavy hitter european team which you look at is like that team's gonna do well at worlds yeah. because right now it's still a mess right and hopefully by playoffs we have that heavy hitter where you know they have their you know the g2 lower bracket run yeah. They come in 12-0, you're like, damn, G2 look good. You know, they go into the tournament, they beat T1 on RNG, you're like, damn, you look great. Yeah. Um, that's all you need. You need that, like, hope and belief to clutch onto. But I think you're right in saying, I think Europe's going through a de developmental phase where the Titans are, like, quote-unquote Titans, are falling a bit. Rogue and Mad are still consistent, but then you've got teams like Vitality and Misfits and XL who are, like, punching their way through, who need international experience or yeah. some form of, like, veterancy to then grow into next year, where hopefully we improve as a region. Uh, but right now, I see us probably beating the third or fourth seed from the LKL, LPL, uh, LCK, sorry. Yep. Uh, and then if we can beat any other team in a best of five, well, then that's incredible. And I think the immortal struggle of the LPL, and part of the reason why people are often doubting them, despite the fact that I, in, in our eyes, and I would hope in everyone's eyes now, with how much that they've won, they're clearly like the best region. Um, it's just that like we've also seen so many LPL teams just like bomb out of groups randomly. Like so many tournament favorites just disappear 
Mm. Um, you know, just like not be able to find that consistency on the international stage. So, yeah, FPX last year, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like. The, I think that's the setting. So if we go to Worlds and we're yeah. in quarters and we draw an RNG or a V5 and we beat that team in best of five, I want Europe to go bonkers. Like, I you want go nuts. I want everyone to lose their minds because right now it's unbelievable how good the LPL look. And if they go to Worlds and they choke or we beat them, then I'm gonna let everyone know on Twitter, on socials, uh, how much uh, that means to the uh, region. Uh, not yeah, biased, flex on them. Dab biased. on them. Let them know. Uh, yeah, and LCS. I haven't been really following LCS. Uh, I think LCS is still a little bit of a mess as well. EG, 100 Thieves, TL are like the front runners, uh, I think, for making worlds. But we'll see uh, what happens. I just, with yeah, you know, not that like, I will figure that out when we get there. I'm, I, there's like the, I'm not looking at who can compete with us. I'm looking at who can murder us. Like, those are the people that I'm scared of. You know what I mean? That I'm kind of the stone cold killers. The stone cold killers. <laughs> not the people we're going to go, you know, 12 rounds with or, you know, whatever um yeah so obviously a lot can come out of this world and i think if you're looking for eu to grow it's a huge opportunity for eu to grow cajal's hoping for that titanic team and it's just in general i think it's so important for our region to have a clear number one team because it helps they pull the rest of the region up with them generally mm. we don't have that now I, it's hard for me to imagine that coming from within the region there might be a clear number one team but if that clear number one team isn't like leaps and, and bounds ahead of people and then it won't it won't be the same effect that it was with g2 in 2019 for example yeah if i if i told you you know i, I got a crystal ball and I looked into the future hypothetically and i said to you uh yeah playoffs was close rogue one um mad was in the finals it was a 3-1 would you believe in rogue that's the thing because i feel like european fans and in general no. if rogue wins a split or if mad wins a split no that belief isn't been, there yeah like last year rogue lost to c9 in the tiebreaker to get out of groups right yeah mad um, they did get the quarters, but then they bombed out. But the year before that, they didn't even make it out of play-ins, right? So there's no like foundational hope for a European fan to grasp onto unless it's Yankos and Caps. Yeah, or, um, I mean, that's super fair. And maybe that means we need to reevaluate some of our expectations or maybe they need to help us reevaluate them by like really, really performing. But I'm nervous. So who would you pick? If you could pick, because this is a discussion that's going on. We have this, we, we planned this discussion then like the next day a thread popped up on Reddit. So you're probably going to get a lot of this if you're a diehard league fan. But like, you pick four teams right now based on what we're seeing, Cajal. Who would you pick? Uh, just right now, I would pick um, Rogue, Mad, XL, G2. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I think, I, it's a good list. I think that... Um, I think Mad is... I think our, our third and fourth seed would probably be like XL. And I, I would, it's, my, my bold prediction would be G2 would be third or fourth seed. I don't even know how... I mean, we'll see how bold that is in the weeks to come. But right now, it's like for me, it's like Mad, XL, G2. And part of the G2 prediction is definitely historic success caps yankos you mm. know what i mean and, and similarly like a lot of faith in the mad system and i think excel are playing very well right now and the way rate at which they grew in their korean boot camp gives me a lot of faith for them internationally but like rogue very good domestically but like yeah. i think that like no matter how well rogue, rogue are the jdg of europe yeah ro no matter how well rogue perform in the regular season it's how they do in best of fives that i think will ultimately decide if they if i would pick them obviously that's not how we decide if it's not just our choice but if i would just pick them mm. uh to be there and then you know i think the big thing is still fanatic is it's hard because fanatic historically as an org have often seen that big success um and their lineup is full of incredible players i would argue world-class talent in most cases uh mm. you know humanoid hillisang wonder have all proven themselves upset hasn't had that chance but you could a lot of people would put him on that level razark hasn't really had that chance but again people would put him on that level uh some people would put him on that level um but it's just such a mess and to be fair last time fanatic was a mess with adam in the top lane they went like they did that incredible run to worlds which was ultimately yeah. um, bittersweet as upset had to had to leave for personal reasons but um so like there's always a chance because g2 did the same thing right i don't know what it is with fanatic and g2 it's like every time you count them out they've the plot armor is thick on both of these organizations yeah but right now yeah i mean we said it earlier it's just uh, not it's not it's not there and it's really hard to believe it that it will come together in the key moment there's some wild cards out there you know like i think if Bo joins vitality in the next couple of weeks and i think they could make a run to worlds if they Bro. get the playoffs in best of five like if i if i'm in a best of five against you and i, I have haru starting game one and then in game two we, we've lost in game two i put in Bo, and he's never played yet and i've been screaming with him for three weeks you have no what's about to happen well, I'm right actually, you have no idea what to ban what he's is, gonna pick i think that's their way of winning I'm, I'm so nervous for Bo because everyone is so hyped for Bo. yeah 
because you're talking about him, Dom's talking about it, all these people because his win rate's nuts. He's yeah. tearing up the ladder. Everyone is hyped for Bo. I I feel nervous for Bo because on the one hand, like if he pops off and reveals, it's going to be like the greatest. You know, people, people are going to be like, gonna be like oh, it's I was right, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. But then if he comes on stage and bomb, it's instantly going to deflate all of this solo queue hype, I yeah. think. Yeah. Which, again, is totally a reasonable thing to do in your first game on stage with a, with a new team. That you've yeah, played I with. mean, obviously, he doesn't speak English, right? That's his biggest flaw. But, um, yeah, I think that if there's a wild card they have, it's always going to be Bo. And maybe that's a... It's, it's weird because League's just gone into such a team orientated base game now where like lanes don't matter as much junglers it's very hard for them to find ganks and it's all about playing from mid to sides to dive or dragon fights that's it that's the game you know yeah. it's big dragon fights it's cross mapping or it's playing mid to bot with early game roams um so there's not much room for i'm a psychopath jungler i'm gonna invade and gank and kill you on every wave or something like this because it just it doesn't work as much anymore um does that mean he can't pull it off no um but yeah i think that's vitality's ticket probably if they keep up with their with their inconsistency yeah and again um if you're like wow i have a completely different list of people i'd be surprised if it was completely different but if you have a lot of different names in your list, i think that's fine because despite everything while things are getting clearer as we go week to week our league is still a hot mess and yanko said it last week and i think we'll keep bringing it up because it's just a nice it's a nice way to summarize our league everybody's losing rogue and mad lions are tied at the top excel sole possession of third for now you got a, a three-way tie for six between astralis fanatic and misfits weird three-way tie those are not three teams that i ever would have put together um you know g2 and vitality like it this the the league the only reliable thing sorry bds and we're just not gonna talk about bds a lot on this podcast until they do it's anything BDS else. losing it's bds losing <laughs> bds are the most consistent team in our league yeah. and like again i'm not trying to I that was a mean joke, but I had to I have to get them every once in a while. And again, if you're like a BDS fan, you're like, why don't they talk more about BDS? Like when they do something, we'll talk about them, but talking about them will almost always result in just us just being very uh, negative. So I don't want to just like bring them up just to shit on them. But I did this one time because the joke was funny. Uh, BDS are the most consistent um, team in our league. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here. I don't know how much they made this public, but I heard an internal bet between two casters that one bet that SK would make Worlds as the fourth seed, and one bet that they were not. Who went? And uh, and the loser has to do some something on Twitter. I didn't hear so, this at all. Yeah, I thought you were making a joke, and then because no. I was like concerned, I was like, no, it's I, real. I was like, because we went out the other night, I was like, Cadro, if you made me commit to a bet while we were <laughs> under the imagine? influence of beverages, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm finding out now. I'm gonna be very upset. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, you you want to make an SK song too? You want to make a you make a man lie? I'm like, no more songs. Um, yeah, there's a bet yeah. in the cast room. Oh, I make SK a making world. Slap. Um, yeah, we'll see. So Friendly, we'll see. cheerful wager between friends. Yeah, why not? Um, Who would talk. you? You have an answer to uh, your world's four I'm, teams. I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, Mad boat? Lions, Ro Mad Lions, Excel, Actually, I just realized G2. Rogue, Mad, Excel, G2 are the, our top four. Yeah. <laughs> wow, nice, nice I analysis. I didn't realize that. Forehead. I thought G2 was wow. going to be like fifth or what something. What do you get paid? You just I could just hire some Reddit guy to read the top four teams. <laughs> oh, um, dear God. Yeah, I think it's good. I think that it, the reality for me at least is that like you want to see some level of consistency in the gameplay which to be fair g2 don't have g2 just have the star power and the historical success that you're like willing to believe in them and in that case the thing that our top four has done well is not be infallible but when they win they win pretty consistently the same way i would say mad lions early game dominance rogue boom like they're pretty consistent at snowballing and admittedly mad have also thrown two games um so there's still weaknesses in all these teams games it's just like I don't know. I think consistency is king. And we have so many star-studded rosters. Again, remember back to spring. Team Vitality and Fnatic were the two super teams. They were supposed to rule the world. But that those <laughs> names don't mean anything if you can't find that consistency on stage is what we're, I think, learning more and more domestically. Mm -hmm. Those are the lessons Fnatic and Vitality are teaching us, um, sadly. Fnatic and Fnatic are now on a four-game losing streak. But we'll see in the weeks to come. We'll see what happens. Let's yeah. talk a, a, a little bit about the week upcoming. We have some big games. Oh, what do we got? My dude. Talk to me. Week six. It's Friday and Saturday, 29th, 30th. Um, Mad Fanatic. Big game in the sense that I think it gives Fanatic an opportunity to rekindle some faith. Oh, Fanatic just need wins, man. Turn they around their season. They've also got Fanatic BDS, which... 
will still be a Fnatic. I win. mean, the last time Fnatic BDS played against each other, the only reason Fnatic won was because they stole a Baron with Zeri Lightning, right? Oh, yeah. From Synchroth, which oh the Baron God. had healing self regeneration. I forgot on, about that. Right? Uh, that was self regeneration Baron heal that saved it yeah. and gave Fnatic a Baron. Uh, maybe the BDS wouldn't have won outright, but they, I think they were in a pretty good state in, the, in that game. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Vitality G2, you know what that is? Burks versus, versus Caps. Part, part nine, eight. part nine, part eight, part eight. <laughs> There's other players. Brother in that team. fights brother in a battle to the death. Yeah. I don't know what the scoreline is, but I think it's yeah. probably Caps. This is, now. yeah, I think this is the, one of the most important weeks of the season for Mad Lions. They fight Fnatic and Excel uh, again. Two teams that are expected to fight be fighting for slots in the top six. And if they can beat both of these teams, then Mad would kind of honestly be my shoe in for um, number one at the end of the regular season, which would be very big for them because they did not make playoffs. So their playoff seating may not be great in summer, but it will be uh, decent. And this is the beginning of the BDS Miracle Run. G2 Fnatic this weekend. They beat both 2-0 on the week. One team. One desire. And we're doing movie trailers now. And then they're going to skyrocket their way to playoffs, win a best of five, take the fourth world seed, represent it as worlds, and they're going to clap everyone and win the championship. Damn. Stay tuned, kids. Wow. It's, you know, I woke up at 7 a.m. when I'm saying this. Yeah, like this. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow. This story time with Mark. You're just out here, you know, I'm like... They call me. They're worried about my narrative. We're over here just. That's what I noticed every time. I, ever, ever since I stopped being a pro, my my wake up times have gotten earlier and earlier. It's mm-hmm. gone from like pro player level of one or two p.m. to like I'm an adult. Eleven o'clock, ten o'clock. Wait, now I'm more of an adult. Mm-hmm. Nine o'clock. Wait, now I'm even more adult. Yeah. Seven, and then in a couple like ten years time, it's gonna be five a.m. wake ups. Now I know BDS stands for bold delirious story. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Just that, there's your bold, delirious story right there. Yeah. Here it is, the miracle run. And and the, like, is that again, what they do in the meetings, every, can, in their daily meetings? It can happen. It can happen. No, it like, can't. No, it can't. I mean, you don't. I mean, that's the thing about LEC is, again, everybody's losing. Um, And while BDS have been losing the most, they could turn it around. Like, it could it could it's happen. It's opposite weekend. <laughs> it's it's a possibility. Um, This weekend on the show, myself and Mark will be on the analyst desk uh, alongside our boy, Machine. The vibes are going to be... Machina. Machina. We should have Spanish names. We've got Machina, Dracos. Dracos. You know what they used to call me? Because I got a... My first Spanish LAN I ever went to in 2015. What they call you? I got a Pentakill. Yeah. And they went, Pentakill para Cidrel. <laughs> para Cidrel. Cidrel. I was just like... Yeah, that's not happening uh, for the next split. They used to call me when I lived in Oaxaca. They called me Daniel El Travieso. <laughs> what the... Daniel El Travieso. I was a little shit, apparently. I don't remember this stuff. Apparently, I used to speak fluent Spanish and be a menace. That's all I know. BDS, um, baby. BDS, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The BDS. Um, you know, there's, I love it. There's so many things you could do with that. Um, uh, <laughs> yep. We're loose. We're loose today. We have a really bit for context, if you're wondering why we're so loopy and why we're here so early. Uh, it is very early for us. We have a big day. We're filming um, some content piece stuff. We're also doing story meeting because we're on a desk. This week is a, a messy week for both of us. But hopefully a Hell positive yeah, week for our LEC teams. Again, keep your eyes on Mad this week. They play Fanatic and XL. Vitality G2 also going to be a banger. Is Nila enabled this weekend? That is a great question. I think that she is. As a professional, I'm going to say yes and oh just hope that God. I'm correct. If you have not played against Neela, Neela is a very interesting champion. Um, she is. She is Samira 2.0. <laughs> Samira esque. She does some things a little bit differently, um, but she dodges a lot of auto attacks. Yeah. She um, runs around real fast. She, she uh, has Jack's E on her W, basically. Her E is Jack's W that she can give to her allies. That she can um, give to her allies. Yeah, it's not Samira Wind Wall in the sense that it'll just delete projectiles. She can still take damage. She gets her to slightly reduce magic damage. Her Q gives her... Uh, it's a whip. She, she wh- hits you with the whip successfully. She gets a little bit more auto range, and she gets cle- a little cleave speed. on her attack. She gets passive armor pen based on her crit and yeah, healing, this, based on her crit chance. Basically... A, a lot of things to read. She's a really good bruiser, and the way that they made sure that she was a marksman and not a bruiser was they just put a lot of incentives for her to build crit items in her kit. Um, So if you've played against her, you know that she can feel incredibly powerful or she can feel totally useless depending on the game that you're playing her in. We'll see what pros do with her. I would actually be surprised. The only way I think she's turbo high priority is is if she's absolutely not so bonkers broken um, because her kit is solid, but... 
in this meta of champions who are so good at keeping people at arm's length, mm. like Poppy Talia, it's really hard for me to imagine the melee carry bot laner doing well. That said, Yasuo has seen some play yeah. internationally, and uh, he's basically a melee carry bot laner. So for context, Nila has been... Everyone's playing her a lot in solo queue. Uh, there's Shield Bow or Gale Force builds into full crit. Um, yep. Some people have been playing Death Stance Blade, but we'll leave that for now. I've also seen Nila mid. I've seen Nila top. And now it doesn't make sense, you might think, because of her innate kit. She and has the way old Mordekaiser passive. But she does have to last hit the minions to share the experience. Yeah, once she once she last hits it, her, she basically enhances the, um, like the experience gain for yep. you and your ally, basically. But you have to hit the last hit. So you can get level 6 a lot earlier than we bought. I think it's a minute earlier or a wave or two earlier. Yep. You can get level 6. Um, but I'm not sure if we'll see it this weekend. Right now, ever since the hot... I mean, when it came out, it was incredibly strong. Uh, but then it got hot fix, hot fix like a week and a half ago. And basically, she just got cut on her base stats and her base damage and all that stuff. Um, and right now, her win rate in solo queue is sitting at around 49%. In high-low, of course, it's a bit higher. It's around 50.5. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I don't know if we'll see her this weekend. Um, the champion in solo queue is pretty bonkers if you can get the right last hits in and your support is, like, something that can roam. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, not so sure. I mean, read, read her kit. If you're at home, read her kit. I highly recommend it. There's a lot of wild power in this kit. On, on release, Nila's win rate on release. Yeah. Now, normally on on-release champs, win rate is in the 44 to 47% range mm -hmm. because no one knows what the f*** they're doing. Yep. Uh, it was 52 and a half. Yeah, which is release. obviously a terrible, terrible uh, But then it got a couple hot fixes, dropped back down to 49, and it went back up again when people were learning it. So uh, uh, the pick rate also went down a lot. So I'm not sure where Nila sits right now. Um, it had its ups, now it's going through its downs. We'll find out. Man, I don't know how to feel about this champion. I have seen her in a couple games. I've seen her pop off and be overpowered. I've I played one game of her and got uh, mostly bodied. I'm not gonna lie, I, just, I did really bad. But I just uh, hope it doesn't I just hope Nila doesn't get the Zeri syndrome where it's like we're gonna patch her twelve times in nine patches. No, nah, she's you know? totally gonna get the Zeri. I I'm sorry, but like the problem Also now actually Zeri has been changed. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Thirteen times now in the next patch, ten patches, including hotfixes. Yeah. I mean, okay, so here's the thing about preface this by saying i'm not a champ designer i work at riot but i don't know anything about how the champ design team works outside of like my conversations with them in the past we've been fortunate enough to have a couple people on the podcast so i can't yeah. say what their thought processes are here i respect when they try to break the game in interesting ways yeah. and create champions who maybe um make you reevaluate your expectations things like bot lane melee carries or short range carries the problem is that I think these characters are always going to require an insane amount of fine-tuning because yeah. you are fundamentally changing the balance of the game, how people expect it to be, how you expect the AD carry role to function, the bot lane carry role to function when you make a champion like this. Um, and obviously, part of the way that they planned on balancing that was the X XP gain on her passive to say, hey, look, like we know you're probably going to get uh, you know, stomped on a little bit in the early lane phase especially pre-level three. So bam, we give you a little bit more XP. We're going to balance things out a little bit. Oh, you have a little bit more reliable sustain and armor pen than anyone else has. So maybe you can function, uh, you know, maybe you're going to feel more powerful and when you still build these items. And like, I can see the philosophy here. The mm -hmm. thing is, is like getting that to a balanced state is always going to be hard because again, no matter how many people are on the PBE testing this thing, nothing compares to live. Yeah. When you have infinite more number of players, when you have pro players. And like keep in mind, like the people who test these champions are good at League of Legends, but like Caps is not on the balance team. Caps fighting, you know, like VTO and solo queue games is just not a thing that's gonna happen on the balance team. So there's always this next level that appears too. So this champion I have no doubt in my mind, like maybe there's some day where they just boom, silver bullet a champion like this, but like Yasuo on release is going to be the same thing. A calling on release is going to be the same thing. Whenever you make a champion that breaks the game in a hopefully interesting way, and I think Nila's kind of that for me, although she's not really my spice as a champion in particular, um, then it's just going to it's just going to take changes. Yeah. In my opinion, could be wrong, but I think it's going to just take a bunch of changes over patches to figure out where how to get her into that right niche. Speaking of patch changes, last thing I'll touch on is twelve uh, fourteen is coming up. I won't dive into it yet, but that'll be probably the big patch before playoffs. Yeah. Um, now the game is very roam heavy right now a little bit early game heavy I think it will lean more towards that hard to draw conclusions yet but for example dragons getting buffed across the board um, and then just for context to run you through a few things to expect health potions getting nerfed 
refillable potions getting nerfed, teleports getting nerfed, um, which I think they're reverting, not sure yet, they haven't decided, biscuits getting nerfed, bone plating getting nerfed, conditioning, second wind, time warp tonic, all these things that help you in lane phase are getting longer cooldowns or reduced healing. Uh, so that just wow. means that if you if you take better trades, it's harder to sustain. Got you it. know, for example, if I'm playing Jace against your Kale, you would take Doran Shield, Second Wind, and you would Second Biscuits, wind, and you sit at your tower. And you just sit there. Now they're all a lot weaker. Uh, well, it. not a lot weaker, but they are weaker. So I can punish the lane harder. Challenging Smites for junglers, reduced by 10% now. It's not 20% damage, it's only 10. Um, so you're getting a... Oh, it only took five years. God bless. <laughs> they finally found us! <laughs> Grassed on us, man. Who was it? We've all been talking about this shit. Why do you get smite and exhaust Who? on your stupid, useless summoner? Like, what Who the hell? Who told them, man? Uh, so basically, TLDR, also second Herald's getting buffed. Uh, it's got God like 75% more HP. That's good. So basically, what, that. what you should expect is the dragons to give you more. Yep. And lane phase to mean more. So that innately kind of means that scaling is a bit weaker again. Uh, they're also nerfing all the Ardent stuff and Seraphine and stuff like this and the healing and shielding power the, from the, Forbidden Idol and Redemption. Yeah, so. I think that the healing, the potion, the TP nerfs say to me that we're going to have a, a, a meta at least where lane phase matters a lot more because it means advantages in lane phase stick when advantages in lane phase can mean better access to dragons. Dragons are more powerful, so... Feels to me like they decided that there was a bit too much late game, and they want champions that pack a punch in the in the early game, Possible. or maybe they're trying to get it back to an even state. But there's like, so many angles, you know, early ganking lanes now to like, for example, picking Jarvan and just EQing mid and getting half their HP, getting a flash in big. a pot, like damn, um, dude, it could be bigger. Uh, but then there's champs like Azir who scale well but can also punish lanes. So there's also middle ground for sure. having decent scaling but also punishing your lane. I think the mostly the health pot changes. I mean, AD carries would go long sword three health potions, right? And you would never be able to kill them. So I guess it gives a little bit more room for good trades in bot as well. So yeah, it will be interesting. Not out yet, still being tweaked, I presume. But uh, that's probably going to be what the playoffs looks like uh, and worlds. I don't know if there's going to be a pre-worlds patch. Normally there is, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a systems change. So this is a huge patch because like uh, champions are going to be different in worlds. A lot of stuff's going to get buffed or nerfed, maybe, right? Like usually there's big champion balance patches, but systems don't usually change like this mid-season so this is pretty crazy mm. um but i'm excited to see it i'm excited to see uh what it can do because again i thought the durability patch was cool it felt really good to play as a casual player feels horrendously boring to watch in the first few patches in pro because it was just so slow team and it's getting better team fights are better yeah team fights are and fun. i hope that this gets us more into the side of aggression hell yeah cool sick this has been euphoria uh let us know who you think is going to Worlds? We're going to be back or next tell us week. A tell us a BDS. More. We're going to be on the desk this weekend, us and Machine. It's basically just going to be like this, but with an additional charming British man. Narrative. N machine. Let's talk about narrative. Narrative. It's going to be the narrative power hour. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a good time. It's going to be a good vibe. Um, yeah, so join us there. And then we'll see you back here next week for more Euphoria. Um, keep your eyes on Mad this weekend, as we highlighted earlier. And if you're a Fnatic fandom, stay luck. strong. Stay strong. Stay strong. And not toxic, man. I mean, come on. Look. May the odds be ever in your favor. Yep. You just turned 18. You're in the prime of your life, fanatic. Just keep going. Hell yeah. 18 in one week now.